the book of Judges and specifically the tribe of Dan. So if you want to go back and, and listen to that, that was very good. And I found a handout. There was one handout left in here. I'm going to look over it. But uh, anyway, so today is the final wrap-up of Job. And what do you think of when you think of Job? Patience. Patience, some long suffering. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I think of suffering, and uh, we know the Bible says tribulation worketh patience, and all of us want patience, but we don't want tribulation, right? <laughs> and yet, that's how we get patience, and so we all. Um, and I was thinking about that this week, just. Um, you know, they, they say that Job doesn't teach us necessarily why good people suffer, but it does teach us how good people should suffer, right? Uh, these things really happen through no fault of Job's own. And uh, many times, you know, we live in a fallen world, don't we? And so bad things do happen to good people, and, and God allows it. It may not be His direct will, but, you know, He permits a lot of things, right? He, he permits bad things to happen and, and so we've all had a certain amount of suffering and so I'm going to cover a few of the reasons uh, why I believe God allows suffering uh, and we've got a guest David yes. Yoder right so and you're related to the Stovalls yep. yeah. so so I think maybe everybody else may have been here before uh, I don't remember you David but welcome to our group and I, I do know is it your daughter Taylor yes. so it's your daughter's Taylor that we know her from we went to Israel with his daughter so I know his daughter a little bit and just a good family and so we're glad to have you sir and uh, so this this will and I'll, I'll just kind of preface uh, how how these the notes that you have uh, uh, our son's wife Brenda Fleshman uh, her maiden name was Hoover and uh, Pat and I know her dad passed I think almost Larry's no, uh, Alan Hoover. Oh. I doubt if you know him. It was close to 20 years ago. November of 04. November of 04, he died. But, uh, so him and I and, uh, Larry Smith, uh, Larry's still alive, but <clears throat> anyway, we, we kind of put all of our notes together, and so some of these are my notes, some of them are Larry, some of them are what we were taught, and, uh, this outline at the top of your handout, uh, is a combination of Chuck Swindoll and, uh, Jeff Allen, or Jeff, Jeff Adams. And so this is kind of an overview, uh, an outline of the book of Job. And uh, be, be turning to Job. I, I want us to look at a verse before we talk about the notes that you have. I think it's Job 13. Every week, I think every week that we studied the book of Job, I had this verse at the top of your handout. And I want to read it at the first here. And again at the last. Yeah, verse 15. And uh, Kevin, would you read uh, Job 13:15 for us? Yes. <laughs> Though he may slay me, yet will I trust him in him. But I will remain mine own ways before him. Maintain. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if any of us could actually say that. Uh, even even if God uh, if allows me to be persecuted 
my health, my possessions, my relationships, all the way up to and including death. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And uh, that, that's a that's a big statement right there. And then he goes on to say, but I am I'm still going to maintain my ways. Uh, and he was upright and perfect. He feared God. He has chewed evil, and he's going to maintain that even if God were to persecute him up to the point of him taking, allowing his life to be taken. So um, that, that's kind of what I want to end on today is just how much do you and I really trust the Lord? How much do we depend on Him and, uh, and His faithfulness and His goodness? Uh, and uh, even even if we were to suffer, and so here here's here's the uh, chapter breakdown of the book of Job, the first two chapters of how he was attacked by the enemy. That's chapters one and two, and they speak of the disasters of Job, uh, his possessions, his servants, his possessions, his even his children, his lands, and. Uh, and uh, even his health and uh, his wife even tells him to curse God and die. And so uh, his relationships... Were, and then the, the middle section of the book, the biggest chunk is ver- chapters 3 through 37, was he was assailed by his friend. This is the dialogue, the back and forth, Job and his friends. And they all contended that he had uh, unrepentant sin in his life. And so th- these things were extremely hurtful. Uh, Job calls them miserable comforters. They came there to mourn and comfort with him, but uh, they they may have mourned, but they were not very comforting. And then at the end of the book, God answers him, and this is his deliverance, and this is you know the good part. And the Bible uses a phrase that uh, his captivity was turned. And when you're suffering, um, I don't know. I, I talked to Bud Crust out here in the foyer this morning, and he's going through radiation treatment. And uh, his last radiation, I think it's thirty or forty some treatments. It's like right before, right after Thanksgiving, and. You know, he's looking for that time when his captivity is turned where the radiation is not burning him up and he's not hurting and he does have more energy and and I know uh Carol you just went through a procedure. Yeah. And so you're you're looking for when that arm can work again and when the body works again and uh and uh anyway we can all relate to that on some level that we want uh and there, there's a verse in Proverbs that uh, I think of oftentimes. It says, uh, "Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but uh, when the answer comes, is it's a tree of life or something like that." So when your hope is deferred, when when you when you maybe don't have hope, when you are discouraged, when you're down, it makes the heart sick, doesn't it? It's like I just can't see past this thing. But when when it comes, it's like a tree of life. It's it's flourishing. I, I've got hope again. The sun's shining. The birds are singing. The grass is green. And so uh, we we all need that. And so God does answer him. Maybe not how we would think. And uh, in, God never actually tells Job why this all happened. We we uh, can read the the uh, dialogue between the devil and God. And so we we know it's more of a spiritual attack. Uh, but Job didn't know that. <clears throat> so let me give you these four reasons here for suffering. 
uh, and I put in my note just the devil wants to use suffering to destroy us. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. But God wants us to use suffering to benefit us. And, you know, that's how we learn to trust Him. If You know, there was a study done. Uh, we helped start a church in Overland Park back in uh, 1996. And uh, they did a study of people's giving. And, uh, you know, the, I, I think at the time there were over 100,000 people living in Overland Park, Kansas. And it, it's Overland Park, Kansas is the second most educated county or city in all of America, right behind uh, the, the town in Texas uh, where Chuck Swindoll's ministers. I can't, I can't think. What is it? No. No, it's it's a, anyway. Overland Park is like the second most educated city in America, but they they found out that churches in the inner city give percentage wise more money than the people of Overland Park. The the people that are affluent and have a lot of money give less percentage wise than poor people, and that was just kind of interesting to me. And uh, it, it kind of directly relates, you know, in our trusting of the Lord, uh, I think. It's it's some indication that, you know, where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. And uh, anyway, that was just an interesting statistic as we were going out to start that church. But uh, <clears throat> one of the reasons God allows suffering is for the lost to be saved. And... Uh, I think I hit my I hit my mouse. Don't hit your mouse. Mouse beater. I'm a mouse beater. It's still alive. I didn't I didn't destroy it. And you deal with him. And uh I think we all know this kind of intuitively that you know the most the best swimmer in the world don't need a life preserver until they're drowning. Does that make sense? I didn't get saved till I was going broke financially. Maybe you had some disaster strike you and that's when you cry out to God, isn't it? And so God allows and even orchestrates you know, suffering so that lost people see their need for Christ. And uh, so that that is one reason. Isn't there a prayer for uh, like to, for their flesh to be consumed until hmm. they repent? Yeah, I think uh, that was uh, that was in the Corinthians. They were turned a gentleman over for the destruction of his flesh. Uh, that that was probably a Christian man. So maybe a little different than the lost. But, uh, so, uh, the second reason is just for us to grow to be strong. And <clears throat> I know, I know that today, cause our daughter helped, uh, she was like a teacher's aide when they were in, uh, Fort Riley, Kansas. But I don't think they really flunk anybody anymore. But, you know, when I was in school, if you don't pass fourth grade, you don't go to fifth grade. And, uh, I grew up with a a bully that was, you know, two or three years older than us because he kept flunking. And, uh, he was a a rough guy. And anyway, uh, but, uh, 
So were you thinking something, Rosie? I think we all know, uh, everybody knows I have cancer. And to what you said, Steve, the other day I sat down and started crying. Sorry, I'm together. To the point what you said there, mm-hmm. you know, we, we question why. Mm-hmm. The Lord does make it stronger. Yeah. No matter what. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know when I was going to have it. It's okay. And I know, you know, like today, you know, I was like, I'm going to church, and as I drive, I thought, you know, the Lord, I, I, you know, people sometimes describe me as a little fighter. And I think the Lord does want us to be little fighters, fighters for mm. Him. Yeah. Mm. In whatever way that He wants to direct us to go, no matter what. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You, you're suffering right now. I know you are. And hopefully you hopefully you will come out stronger. Yeah. I will do. Well, we're, I'm here to feel sorry for myself. Well, we're glad you're here, and hopefully you can come through this better. And I'm a little fighter. Yep. What do you mean? At least I don't beat my mouse. <laughs> but uh, so some suffering does cause us to grow and and to be stronger, and uh, and and you know. Uh, I mean, all occupations have some sort of tr- training before you. Bef- you know, in, in the unions, you're, you're an apprentice before you're a journeyman, right? Just so all of life has tests like that that you need some element of proving. And and I've been keenly aware of that lately. Even just the temptations that I face, it's like uh, God maybe can't trust me with more till I get this right, you know, and things things like that. So God does allow those, and and I do have a whole series and verses for each of these, but I wanted to just kind of highlight them today because we can almost make a checklist. If if we're suffering today, is it because I'm lost and God wants me to get saved? Am I uh, maybe weak in an area that God needs to grow me in? And this third this third reason I think is maybe the the key one for Job is equipped to be a minister because um, and my, my point in this one is I worked with a guy who. He was, a, he was like their uh, their churches. This is when I first got saved. I I, I kind of seen this from a distance. His name was Tom something. I can't remember. But he was like a youth minister in his church. And him and his wife lost their baby to crib death. And, you know, you just kind of wonder why. This is a good couple, you know, good godly people. They're serving the Lord. And they lost their baby. And within a year after that, one of his best friends lost their child and his friend was lost and God really used this couple because they'd lost their child a year earlier they were really able to help the people that had lost their child and I think that's where Job's at but Job really suffered through no fault of his own but he he's, he's ministering to us today isn't he uh, because of what he went through and so maybe you're going through something that God is going to use later to help somebody else does that make sense? And so, in in ministry, there that that word equipped. That, that's what we're going to really focus on starting December tenth. As we study Second Corinthians, it's it's kind of the handbook of ministry. Uh, before we're able to minister to others, we need to you know not only be saved but be equipped and be prepared. And so sometimes suffering allows us to do that. And then this last one, chastised to be pure. 
you know, j- just like if you were thirsty and you went to get a drink and you seen like a lot of floaties in this cup, <laughs> you're not going to probably drink. <laughs> you're not going to use that vessel because it's dirty. <clears throat> and so that's what the word chastise does. He he, the word chaste. If you're like a chaste virgin, you're a pure virgin. Uh, so God wants. So sometimes He, because if we have sin in His li- in our lives, God will chastise us. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so th- those are at least at least four general reasons for suffering that uh, that I that I use and teach. And so hopefully, uh, and and maybe more than one of those are true about Job, but certainly the one to uh, God used. Uh, the book of Job to equip him to minister to us. And so then, uh, some of this satanic reasoning, uh, Job, when he talked, or Satan, when he talked to God, he, he says, if Job is blessed by God, then he will be faithful. Or, if Job is not blessed by God, then he will be unfaithful. So Satan kind of accused God of bribing his followers. He's like, Job's only following you, God, because you're blessing him. And uh, the human reasoning is is kind of, uh, we think of this, if Job is faithful, then he will be blessed. And I remember a guy walking into my house uh, we, uh, when we uh, lived there in Silver Lake, and he said, "Boy, Steve, God has blessed you." And and he said that just looking at our house, uh, and you know that was nice of him to say, but that's maybe not necessarily true. Because but we think that way, and we also think if Job is unfaithful, then God's going to punish you, and and that's not necessarily true either. <clears throat> but godly reasoning is God blesses. Is faithful, but uh, not always how we think. Uh, he has a greater purpose, and I uh, let's look at that Proverbs twenty-eight twenty. And uh, Emmett, can I get you to read that Emmett twenty-eight twenty of Proverbs? Uh, and godly reasoning is, uh, even if we believe not, uh, yet he abideth faithful; he cannot deny himself. So. Anyway, there's uh, God is faithful even when we're not. Twenty-eight twenty of Proverbs. Because that is where God blesses the faithful. I didn't turn there myself, so. Hey, wait a minute. Hold on. Uh, Emmett's talking here. Hold on. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Read it again, Emmett. Sorry. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that makes a face to be rich shall not be innocent. Okay, so a faithful man does abound with blessing. So that that much is true. Uh, and so we, we do need to be faithful, and God will bless us. But maybe, I mean, I think Job was blessed in ways that he didn't think God was actually blessing him. Um, anyway, I listed some ways that Satan attacks or that he works and... Uh, he uses people and attacks possessions. He used fire from heaven, uh, virtually miracle. They were signs and wonders. He does that again in the tribulation. He used the Chaldeans and the Babylonians. Uh, he uses nature and the elements. He used disease and health issues. And he used uh, the ungodly spouse there. 
And Job is in a state of confusion, it says in Job 10. And uh, we, we know that God is not the author of confusion. So uh, Job 10.15 is where Job says, if, if I be wicked, woe unto me, and if I be righteous, yet will I not lift up my head. And then Job says, I am full of confusion, therefore... See thou mine affliction. So that's true. Uh, that's true of us. Too. I mean, we live in a very confusing world, don't we? I mean, it, it's confusing to to me, and uh, sometimes to decipher, you know, the news and uh, different things we see in in our world. Uh, but God is not the author of confusion, so He He wants us. Uh, the Bible says there's simplicity in Christ, and I, I like that. I I feel like I'm simple in many ways, and I like it that there's simplicity in Christ. Uh, I gave you some facts about Satan, and then I gave you some things of suffering accomplishes, and these are things that Randy Foster, uh, Roman numeral five, there. Suffering highlights our frailty. Suffering can draw us to God for healing. Suffering shows sin for what it really is. Suffering teaches us compassion for others. Suffering enhances our prayer life. Uh, and he said uh, things about instinctively. I think he means we know that when we're suffering, we just kind of instinctively pray. And then suffering tempers our soul. And suffering nurtures the noblest virtues. So, uh, if you didn't know, you know, Randy Foster is our missions pastor. And I think it's been three years ago now he was diagnosed with a brain tumor and he's had it removed. And so he still wears the cap and the battery pack that he, I think he's supposed to wear it 18 hours a day that it kind of electronically sends impulses and it, it doesn't, uh, it kind of keeps cancer cells from growing. That's kind of the theory behind it, my understanding. And so he has to wear it 18 hours a day and, Anyway, when he sweats, then it rubs it, and he gets raw blisters, and so he, he it's uh, and he's he's tired a lot, and so most people I think live a year to eighteen months, and he's lived three years, and so it's been beneficial, he thinks, and so anyway, those are some insights from Randy, and I don't know if he wrote those himself, but uh, I got his notes on that. And then uh, some poetry, poetic considerations, Roman numeral 6. And I don't know how many we'll go through uh, of these. Um, when, when we think of poetry, we think of rhymes, you know, roses are red and violets are blue, things like that. Uh, <laughs> But uh, in Hebrew poetry, they they kind of have parallel thoughts, and so sometimes they're they complement each other. Like he says this thing, and then he says and this, so they they kind of complement, and sometimes they they're contrasting each other. Uh, and so when we teach uh, rules of Bible study, we even teach the you know two of the most important words in the Bible are like and as and. When you see the word, this is like that, God is trying to teach us something we don't know by showing us something we do know. And, you know, we might say we're hungry as a bear. Uh, 
And we think a bear eats a lot. So we're we're like that. That we're hungry as this. We're you know, we, we use things like that. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, we, we use things, and the Bible does too. And so, uh, God teaches us things that we don't know by uh, this uh, parallelism. And I think I only teach two here. There's a third one, Jim. There's completive, contrastive. Is it comparative? I didn't put comparative on there, but so I gave you some examples from the. This this one was kind of a completive one. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, and so we think of stars and they're like the sons of God that are shouting. So just that word and the, the kind of completes this thought here. And uh, in Job 42, Job says, Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. So that last part, I am going to be in dust and ashes because I'm repenting because I abhor myself. I And so anyway, just... I forget who it was just uh, listening to a Bible preacher says that that even a lot of secular people think that the book of Job is like one of the most uh, well-written pieces of literature that was ever written. And so we, uh, we've studied that for the last year. I think we started August of 22. So we're a little uh, year and three months maybe. And... Uh, and then I gave you some historical considerations. Roman numeral 7. The book itself has... A, it's the 18th book of our Bible. It's got 42 chapters and there's the verses and over 10,000 words. And Job, we believe, to be the first book of the Bible that was ever written. And so it's the oldest book, even though it's not the first book. And... We think that Job lived, it was written between 1843 and 1703 uh, before Christ, uh, the B.C. And so it's the oldest book of our Bible. And it was approximately 300 years before Moses wrote the Pentateuch. So uh, he references the flood several times in the book of Job. And it says, number three, their archaeologists have found in the records of ancient Babylonia the story of a man named Job who suffered greatly. So there's even some evidence outside of the Bible of this man named Job. Uh, there's no references to the Mosaic law in Job, uh, yet he worshiped God. Uh, Job, Job takes place in the, uh, the land of Uz, U-Z. And we believe that to be the place of uh, Petra. I think it's in uh, Psalms where it uses kind of a hyphenated Sela, Sela Petra, which means uh, a place of the rock. <clears throat> and this this word idiomia, I don't think I uh, I knew this till recently. I think that it comes from the word Edom, idiomia, idiomia. So it's it's the land of Edom. This is where Mount Seir is, and. Uh, Several times the Bible says that uh, Edom is Esau. So anyway, this is uh, actually um, the grand grandson of... It, it looks like he was named Uz before Esau lived there. 
uh, Esau being the I think the grandson of Abraham uh, we said it's a a great book on uh, creation I gave you some uh, things there that that Job talks about creation and uh, even number 7 there Job shows us how God communicates with man before the Bible uh, it talks about dreams but Hebrews verses 1 and 2 says God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son so you know the this is how God talks to us today, right? We speak to Him in prayer. And he, he speaks to us through His Word. Uh, but Job did not have the written Word, but he had a relationship with God. And God communicated uh, with them in dreams and vision. That's what Job thirty-three fifteen through 18, it says, In a dream and a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men, in slumberings upon the bed, when He openeth the ears of men and sealeth their instruction." that he may withdraw man from his purpose and hide pride from man he keepeth back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword so God uh, spoke in dreams and um, you know during the during the kings he spake by his prophets and uh, so several books of our bible are, are written by uh, prophets and the word inspiration is found in the book of Job and it just means that God breathes and uh, God's you know uh, I think all of us know this but we have a, a respiratory system but you, you know in the middle of that word re- respiratory is respiratory there, there's a spirit and so when we die we give up the ghost we exhale so when God breathed he inspired uh, holy men of God uh, spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost and so that uh, it's pretty wild to think that we have the words that God breathed that's, that's pretty wild isn't it? He, he inspired people to say exactly what he wanted said and he used the story he even used the, the character he used the, uh, the disposition the personality of the persons to communicate his very words not, not just his thought uh, not just you know it doesn't it doesn't just just contain and I think you said this Friday night Pat just the Bible doesn't just contain God's word it's his very words that are preserved and so uh, we uh, we need to uh, look look at it that way it's really uh, you know when I was first saved I started hearing things about the King James Bible and just it was really a a paradigm shift in my own thinking of you know, going to church and hearing stories, but then just really starting to meditate on the actual words of the Bible and not just the, the content. Uh, there's some times in the New Testament where Job is quoted. <coughs> I gave you those there. And uh, Pam, why don't you do the James 5.11? This has been kind of our New Testament uh, it's where the New Testament talks about Job. James 5.11 Yeah. Behold, we count them happy. We endure. We have heard of the patience of Job and his pain the end of the world. 
That's good. So uh, we've heard the patience of Job and the things he endured, and the Lord is pitiful. And so God uh, showed him pity. Now, uh, Job is written around the time of the patriarchs. Uh, this says Job was contemporary with Abraham. It was probably more his children or grandchildren. And uh, Job, the book of Job frequently used uh, the Hebrew word El Shaddai, which is, means Almighty God. Now we think the human author was probably Elihu, this, uh, because Elihu speaks in the first person. Uh, when he speaks in Job uh, 32. And so we think Elihu was the human author that wrote wrote down what happened. And then I gave you a, a list of the men, letter E there, and uh, what Job's name means. This would probably be a good time just to... Uh, we talked about how Job uh, was perfect, which we, we saw means complete. And Colossians says that, that uh, kind of gives us the definition of being perfect. He was upright, meaning he was righteous. Uh, we said he feared God. And uh, we said that, you know, the fear of God is either taught or it's experienced. And I think that's a good thing for us all to think about. You know, there's certain things that kind of put a fear of God in us, right? But it's better to come to church on Sunday morning and have someone teach us. We need to fear God uh, for who He is and and all these things than to have to learn by experience, right? When we don't want to go behind the woodshed of God, do we? Yeah, yeah. And then we said He is chewed evil and uh, we've seen one definition meant distasteful and that should be true of all of us when we experience something evil we should find that distasteful uh, Angie and I started watching a movie last night it was just so vulgar we, we stopped part way through it's like uh, okay this is not, it's not wholesome we're just going to shut it off we found it distasteful and uh, so we should all think that uh, towards evil things um, I gave you some information on Eliphaz. These are his three friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. And then uh, even Elihu. So those those are the characters there. And uh, Jim, I think I got this from you. There's, there's references here where all four of those men uh, believe Job had sin in his life. And uh, so they were his counselors and uh, they were miserable comforters and I did want to say just a few words about counseling here and uh, this word came up just in my daily reading today and I don't feel like I'm a a very good counselor uh, but I I want to be and uh, it was talking about one of the kings of Israel his mother counseled him in an evil way and he became you know a bad king and you know, uh, counselors say that, you know, about 50% of the way we are is the way we were brought up, and 50% of the way we are is, uh, 
genetic like you know we're, we inherit certain traits so these are how we are but uh, you know the Bible says that uh, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind so regardless of how you grew up and regardless of your genetics God can transform us into men of God and virtuous women and so we don't we're not pigeonholed and uh, that even came up in the trial I went to a, a federal court uh, trial uh, sentencing this week and the the lawyer for the dependent uh, defendant said that you know this this man was abandoned as a child and so it's no wonder he became a drug dealer and you know that she said that in front of a federal judge uh, at the court and uh, you know maybe that's true to a certain extent but at some point you know he's he's a 47 year old man you know grow up take responsibility let God into your life and and let him transform you from the inside out that's uh, I don't know if you know this but uh, the word transform in the New Testament comes from the Greek word uh, metamorphosis and uh, you know metamorphosis is like what happens when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly right and that that butterfly is never uh, you know a caterpillar again so we, we need to let God change us in that way and uh and and bring it, bring about a good change. So, I gave you. A, uh, in fact, look at Job twenty six. And uh, Carol, do you, do you have your Bible? Yeah. Can you go to Job twenty six? And I'll let you read verse three. I, I think this is a good Bible definition of what counseling is or should be. Proverbs twenty six. Proverbs or Job. I'm sorry, Job twenty six. Okay. Yeah, that's all right. 26 verse 3 okay. how is it then control him that he knows wisdom and how has through painful because the thing as it is and, and I don't know if you've seen there that the little word and was in there so this is a completive statement you know how hast thou counseled him that hath no wisdom and how hast thou, thou plentifully declared the thing as it is? So, counseling is plentifully declaring something as it is. When you're counseling someone, you're kind of looking at the same thing from different points. You're, you're plentifully declaring this is the problem. This, this is what's going on in your life. And this is why this is happening. And... Uh, and there's really two forms of counseling, and I like this. When we counsel a lost person, that's really evangelism. We're, you know, you're lost. You need God in your life, sir, ma'am. I'm counseling you to be saved. And if we're we're counseling a saved person, like I'm doing right now, everyone in here is probably saved. We, we call that discipleship. You're, this is some form of discipleship. Right now, we're, we're learning the Bible. We're learning truth. We're trying to see how it applies to our life. And uh, this is counseling from the pulpit, right? And so counseling the saved is discipleship. Counseling the lost is evangelism. And we're trying to declare something as it is. And the goal of counseling, in a, in a word, is change. And uh, I actually had a lady... <coughs> Text me. I haven't talked to her for 
I think I only met her once. She said, does your church offer counseling? And uh, so I referred her to Brian and hopefully she called and hopefully she got it set up. But the goal of counseling is change. You know, we're doing something. We need uh, help in order to change sometimes, right? That's So the goal of counseling is change. And so therefore, you and I, as we work with people, we need to be change agents. We need to help bring about change and let God use His Word through us to instruct others. Uh, so these are all uh, counseling points. Uh, there's some valuable counseling of how not to counsel. Uh, we say tact and timing are most important. You know, there was a time or two in the book of of Job here where the counselor's like, I I couldn't control myself. I just have to tell you this, Job. And uh, sometimes we're like that, but First uh, Corinthians fourteen thirty two says that the spirit of the prophets are controlled by the spirit, or, or by the prophets. So you and I are able. We we don't have to blurt out things. Sometimes we should be you know tactful. We should have good timing. Uh, we should not break others with our words. We should not jump to conclusions. And, and I'm guilty of that, and I'm learning that. We need to uh, do good and God will bless you. That's not necessarily true. Uh, trials are not necessarily the result of hidden sin, but it could be. And then I gave you some counseling principles in Job. Uh, we need to speak truth to those that we counsel. Uh, Job's friends actually become unfriendly when they tried to figure out the cause of his problems. Job's friends were deceitful. Uh, even though there's safety in the multitude of counselors, they should agree with the Word of God. I, I thought that was a good point. And then uh, Job 6, 24 and 25 says that right words are forcible. And... Um, uh, you know, sometimes somebody will tell you something, a hard truth, and you may not want to hear it, at least at the time, but, you know, over time, like the next day, you might think, you know, that person was right. <laughs> I should do that. And so, uh, hopefully, hopefully, uh, even at the time, if somebody tells you, so right words are forcible, they, they are able to, uh, uh, bring bring about change. So uh, we need to pray for our counselee. The uh, counselee shouldn't try and justify themselves, and that that's a hard one not to do. You know, you know, I would never have done this if that person hadn't done this, and we try to justify why we did something. And I did this horrible thing because that person just wouldn't, you know. And you fill in the blank. And so there's a place there where people, uh, in Job 9, where they were trying to justify themselves. And. Which you hated when our kids used to do. Yeah. I used to, yeah. Anyway, it's way better. It's way better when you just say, I'm sorry, I blew it. I'm a jerk. I shouldn't have done that. Uh, Thank you. I do got a question on that, though. Yeah. If you do good by if you do good by God, why wouldn't you bless? Well, and I I did I think I wrote that a little bit wrong, Larry. You're right. So if you do right, God will bless you, but maybe not the way you think He should. Well, you said not necessarily true physically. I mean, it can be true, but it's not. It doesn't have to be. 
I found out that uh, when I uh, when I do what I was supposed to do and I put in my ten percent, that uh, it, he doesn't bless me what I think he's going to bless me, but he'll make that ninety percent stretch further. Yeah, yeah. That's a good. Because it, it kind of gets it in my head that hey, I'm yeah, a little less money, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right now, uh-huh. <laughs> need to eat more food. <laughs> yeah. No, that's no, good. The guy can do more that ninety percent than you can yeah. with that hundred. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the rest of that counseling section. Uh, it's good to ask questions, the person you're counseling, and then show pity to the counselee. Uh, and that's what it says there in Job 6, that uh, pity should be shown him that has these troubles. And, uh, you know, God is, it says that he's pitiful toward us. In Psalms it says that, that the Lord is pitiful to them that walk uprightly or something like that. Good tracker. And then I gave you uh, some doctrinal considerations. Uh, his friends could represent this satanic trinity of the Antichrist, the beast, and the false prophet. Uh, think about this. Job's friends sat with him for seven days. And uh, they were there for one week, kind of like Daniel's 70th week. Uh, Job is mentioned in the context of Noah and Daniel. So Ezekiel 14 talks about Noah, Daniel, and Job. And uh, Noah overcame the world, the flood. Daniel overcame his flesh. He did not partake of the king's uh, food. And Job, uh, he overcame the devil. He, he did not curse God with his lips. And so this is kind of, a, for us, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And then Job had ten kids. Uh, mentioned some about there. And then letter E, there's 42 chapters in Job, just like there's 42 months in the Great Tribulation. And we even, we even said, we, we don't know how long Job's suffering lasted. There's a mention of, of weeks, a time or two, and then, but at least twice the book of Job mentions months. So it could be as many as 42 months. Uh, Job is the 18th book of the Bible. That's 6 plus 6 plus 6. Uh, then we said that the Job, uh, the Bible is written dispensationally, not chronologically. So if it's the oldest book in the Bible, and I gave you just a little bit of reason here why why it's placed in the canon of Scripture the way it is. Uh, the books leading up to Job, Ezra is where a Gentile king gives a declaration for the Jews to return to the land, and that's what happened in World War One with the Belfar Declaration. And in Nehemiah, they built the walls, and that's where the boundaries of Jerusalem were established in 1948. And Esther is where the wedding takes place. A Gentile queen is replaced by a Jewish queen after a seven-day feast. So this is a picture of the rapture. And then uh, the book of Job comes right after Esther, and uh, it's about the tribulation. And Psalms is where uh, David is on the throne, uh, ruling and reigning. Uh, and Psalms was actually written over a period of a thousand years, so that's interesting. Uh, with with uh, uh, Moses writing two of the Psalms around uh, 1500 BC, and Hezekiah writing some of the Psalms around 500 BC. Uh, and then uh, 
Proverbs and Ecclesiastes about the wisdom of God and Song of Solomon is kind of the honeymoon of Christ and the church. So uh, anyway, uh, there's some reasons why Job is in the Bible where it's at. Uh, some typology. <clears throat> now we, I gave you an example here. Let me just read this note. Uh, we're on Roman numeral A, typology considerations. This note says a type is a person, an event, a thing, or a ritual in the Old Testament that prefigures something in the New Testament. In other words, something physical that illustrates a spiritual truth. Other Bible words for types are the word print, form, pattern, fashion, manner, example, in-sample, and figure. And I gave you an example here. Uh, Romans 5.14 says that Adam is the figure of him that was to come. And 1 Corinthians 15.45 calls Jesus the last Adam. So Adam was a type of Christ. And you don't need uh, Greek and Hebrew to show you that. The, the English brings that out. So uh, we studied this that uh, Job was a type of the nation of Israel in the tribulation period. I give you some examples of that. Job is a type of Christ on the cross, and Job is a type of a lost man in hell. And then I, in letter D, I gave you uh, seven general ways that Job is a type of Christ. Both had great riches. Both lost everything. Uh, both were tempted by Satan. Both were falsely accused of being a sinner. Both suffered for nothing, uh, though they did nothing wrong. And both remained faithful to God. And both were blessed more abundantly in the end. And then I gave you some uh, devotional considerations. I'm only on page seven, aren't I? I gotta. I may uh, jump over some of this. Uh, and so, some of you know, we we have a Bible Institute here at this church. It's a four-year Bible study, a four-year uh, Bible college, and uh, and so I'm one of the instructors. And and I've taught through Job. Uh, uh, two or three times, so we've been going for about twelve. So we've had about three, four-year cycles, and I think this next spring, I think we have one or two graduates. Uh, so we'll have a graduation in the springtime from our Bible Institute, and right now we have six or seven students. But uh, I, I would say we probably teach about ten books of the Bible. I think there's 48 different different courses, and we teach about 10 books of the Bible, and and Job is one of them, and uh, and I've taught that. So so what you're getting here, you know, don't be all freaked out. You know, we're studying types and doctrine and all these things, uh, but uh, th- these are my notes from that class, and uh, so if you ever go through it. Uh, the only difference would be I would I would test you on that, so you have to have some uh, evidence that, uh, and that is the hardest part of teaching in the Bible Institute is, you know, because w- these are people we go to church with, and, and I got to grade them as like I'm judging them or something. But uh, anyway, Pastor Alan Shelby says uh, they're not tests; they're celebrations of knowledge. He, he puts a spin on it. It's not a test; it's a celebration of knowledge. We're just we have had people fail it they have to take the class over uh, sometimes there's uh, we may have them do some extra things uh, we did that once also so um, 
and we've had uh, pe- people drop out. So, because uh, it is difficult. It, uh, I think there's four classes each semester. So, anyway, Mary's one of our students. She's uh, not feeling well today, but she's one of our, and she's taken all four classes. So, I think there's a class on Tuesday night, a class on Thursday, and two classes on Saturday morning. That's that's when we have our times of teaching. I think it's interesting that you will go ahead and teach women, but then you only allow them to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, just, uh, yeah, that only men are to be pastors and, uh, and, you know, the ladies are not to usurp authority over the men and so we don't have ladies teaching over men, uh, for some of those reasons. Uh, but there are some pastoral things that, uh, ladies do and, uh, so yeah, uh, Pam, Pam Jackson is one of our students and, Sound like you're interested. Sound like we may sign you up. Too old. <laughs> no, you're not. No, I just wanted to bring that out. For women to go through all that. Yeah, yeah, they do the same preparation, and and they do some counseling. And I was gonna say, Lauren went through it. My daughter Lauren, and she uses all that knowledge, like when she was a missionary in India for a while. Yeah. And just because he wasn't a pastor, he still used information. Yeah, so it's not about equality. It, it's about roles. And so... Uh, that's a good, yeah, that's a good description. That, that's how I look at it. Uh, Same person beats your mouth, so they are... Yeah. <laughs> well, here's some reasons for Job's suffering within the book. I think these are pretty well taken. Uh, that Satan might be silenced. So God effectively silences Satan by allowing Satan to try to get Job to curse God, and he doesn't do it. So uh, that Job might see God. We we studied that a little bit a couple weeks ago. That Job saw God. It says he heard of God, and now he sees Him. Uh, that Job might see himself as he is. That Job's friends might learn not to judge. That Job might learn to pray for rather than lash out at against his critics and to demonstrate that God's plan for his own eventually have happy endings and then I gave you a section on uh, key words and phrases in the book I don't know how many those are just some that I came up with there may be others and then uh, this is a good one I think I messed up on my Roman numerals Those I went from Roman numeral maybe I got two number eights there Anyway, why do the wicked prosper <clears throat> to become trophies of changed lives? Uh, like Nebuchadnezzar, he he was a wicked man that uh, he he eventually praised the God of heaven, and uh, sometimes God allows wickedness to accumulate riches for us. Uh, he to show that God is long suffering, uh, sometimes for a spectacular, spectacular overthrow. That's kind of like Haman in the Book of Esther. Uh, he hated the Jews and and he persecuted them. He wanted to kill them all, and and uh, he eventually got hung on the own on the gallows that he built for uh, Mordecai. And then sometimes to be God allows the wicked to prosper to be a testimony of righteousness. 
uh, I gave you some truths in Job. Now these general learnings, uh, these are right out of Jeff Adams' book. I thought they were pretty good. Let's, yeah, let's uh, let's read through these. Roman numeral nine. This on page nine. It says, some questions will never be answered in this life, if ever, and God owes us no explanations. Some believers suffer for no reason of their own making. We, we are... It's not my phone. Uh, we are a small part of the intense spiritual warfare that has been raging since the fall of Lucifer, a war of which we have little understanding. Unless we exercise great caution and discernment, even our best intentions to minister to those who suffer can easily be seized by the enemy to use to his advantage in this, this spiritual war. Uh, an abundance of facts about God does not necessarily qualify anyone to understand God's purposes, especially to dialogue, uh, diagnose His workings in the life of another. And then our need is ju- not just for more information about God. Our, our need is to know God. And when baffled and overwhelmed by trials that are not of our own creation, we should lift up our eyes to see the big picture of God's plan for the universe. We should simply stand in awe of God's great power and simply let Him be God. And all trials for righteousness' sake ultimately lead to new beginnings. God can be loved for His own sake. That goodness may be unselfish and disinterested. But the righteous can serve God for naught and trust in Him even when He seems to be an enemy. Uh, the painful riddle of human life is capable of a blessed solution that the sufferings of the righteous are not necessarily due to their own sins, that the inequalities of life are to be re- redressed in the life to come. Justice will be done somehow, sometime, somewhere. And since the Bible is the book of Christ and the great theme of Job is the mystery of the cross, how can sufferings of the righteous be reconciled with the justice of God? Well, Job is the type of Christ and in him we have the picture of a righteous man suffering because it pleased the Lord for a wise purpose to bruise him. And then we are acquainted with God through receiving His law and laying up His words in our heart. We gain understanding in our spirit via inspiration from God. So those are all good. Um, I gave you some key verses. I gave you some sayings from the book of Job. Uh, Anyway, then that course description is just uh, about our Bible Institute. But uh, just to end, I'm on page 10. <clears throat> and these key verses, uh, I did want to end with that. The one that we started on is 13.15. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And uh, you know, when we trust in someone, we depend on them. And, and I, find, I find it uh, very difficult sometimes to really depend on somebody. I, I feel like a lot of people let me down, and uh, you know, if I if I really dwell on it, you know, it, it can really discourage me, and I can become depressed about that. But uh, you know, uh, Christ suffered through no fault of his own, and 
I think I wanted to say um, this thing about trust kind of tied down here let's see um, no uh, if you think about this is just kind of a little chart And, uh, you know, this is true in marriage. It's true in our relationship. But uh, faithfulness over time equals trust. So faithfulness plus time equals trust. And... if if this is zero and this is a hundred percent, you know God has always been faithful, and therefore we can trust God, right? We can trust God, and hopefully over time our faith in God is growing. Uh, but you know people let us down, and sometimes uh, you know it it even goes negative, right? It's like this person really did me dirty. They are not faithful. I don't trust them. But so, but when we forgive somebody, it at least brings us back to the point. Uh, and, and we should forgive people, even if we don't trust them. Sometimes it takes time to trust them again, right? Especially, uh, you know, with addiction and, and people that have blown it over and over again, it becomes very difficult to trust that person. But over time, I mean, God can change people, and we. I mean, I couldn't be the leader over our recovery group if I didn't believe people can change. And you do have to forgive people, and they do mess up. Uh, but uh, until until some level of faith, if you think, well, man, nobody trusts me now, well, just become faithful, keep being faithful, and uh, people will trust you over time. So that uh, that's what... Job said about God, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And so trust in the Lord. Uh, be here next week to, we'll study, uh, about the tabernacle. And December 2nd is when we're going to have a class party at 5 o'clock at Sap Brothers. So we'll, I already called. I've got, I've already reserved the room. It's free to rent the room if, if you know, if you buy food there. And so uh, I told them there'd be probably 25 of us. So I think there's room for 30 or 40. Huh? It's uh, 5 o'clock on a Saturday, December 2nd. Is that morning or evening? In the evening. <laughs> 5 in the evening. Yeah, you can be there from 5 in the morning. Just want to make sure. You're not sure if you can make it? I mean, I thought... You don't know me I thought about noontime, but... All right. Well, hey, uh, let's close in prayer. Um, Jim, Jim, you prayed already. I'll, I'll, I'll pray. Or uh, Brian, will you pray? I want you to stand and pray to our group here today. Uh, Father God, we just thank you so much uh, just for allowing us.